0: This episode of the A Team is brought to you by FaceToFaceGames.com, Canada's number one source for Magic: The Gathering card singles. Now, I am a bit of a troll, so I like to have a fun time at uh, other people's expenses. Oddly enough, I like to pick on uh, other judges. But
1: why? Why <laughs> do that? Why not? Like, just to, just to be an epic troll. Just a troll. Welcome to the A-Team Podcast, brought to your ears by ManorDeprived.com, home of Canadian magic. In 2010, a crack magic playing unit was sent to prison by the DCI court for mise they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a federal pound in the ass prison to the Canadian underground. Today, still wanted by Wizards of the Coast, they survive as podcasters of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them... Maybe you can listen to The A KYT is just like, why? Not everything I do is like horrible. <laughs> like, yeah. You can't have it both ways, old man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Jay Boosh. Damn it! Why am I always so ahead of the curve and then somebody <laughs> like Owen makes a deck popular and now I sound like every deck brewer on the planet? Scotty. It's actually a secret ploy for her to get you two to spend more time together, (laughs) Your mom next levels you. Yeah, I'm like, seriously. And Jeremy. Do you know how hard it is to buy Korean singles? No. And when you put Korean singles into Google's, do you know what you get? You don't get magic cards.
1: (laughs) And now, the A-Team. Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 211 of the A-Team podcast. This is KYT doing the intro the first time in a long time, because I've just been saying F it. I just didn't want to be the guy known as only talking during the intros. But here today, I have no choice but to talk, unless it's going to be a one-man show, with my dear friend Jeremy Scofield right here. Hello, hello, hello. Because the other two boys are out, I think. um, Scotty is watching a very,
0: very close hockey at the (laughs) moment. Yeah. Canada was in the lead 5-1, and now it's 5-4, so let's hope that it's not a choke.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it would be, um, considering that we were the heavy favorites, and I don't even think... we
0: weren't. We were the underdogs going into this game. Really?
1: Yes. Uh,
2: I would would have never believed it um, because of the talent that we have.
1: Um, So with... Sam Reinhardt being uh considered the one of the best, if not the best, player in the tournament right now. So let's I think they're gonna pull it off. So, but uh, it's a lot higher scoring than I expected. And Jay is either still on vacation or back, coming back, or not. And even me, I wasn't used to our new recording schedule. I had to like realize, readjust myself and at around noon i'm like oh shit i gotta record tonight and uh (laughs) i think it's better this way for me in terms in terms of having thursday night free when you know more people are going out and there's
0: usually like a more relevant thursday night magic event than than on mondays so yeah that's when i would get to play standard if i wanted to play standard and it'd be a nice way to end my work week because i work the 10-day shift So it sucks that my first day of work or the middle of my work shift is going to be, you know, the morning after we record. But at least I'm going to get that Thursday night to go and play if I want to and get some, you know, standard (laughs) play in.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and generally people just at work or whatever, when I had a job, wanted to go out Thursday night or whatever. And Monday night is just, you know, the first day back for most people. So this past weekend, we both played some, we did some magicing. Yeah. I did. Um, I don't know if I talked about it on the show, but I I remember distinctly emailing both you and Scott about how strongly I felt about Absent Aggro as one of the best decks in the format. Yeah, just because I had been doing really well in the queues compared to um, all the other decks. You know, I tried tokens. You know, was very inconsistent when I didn't have Ascendancy. Tried blue-black control, uh, Esper control rather, but. Probably should try blue-black because I concluded that Esper is just unplayable due to the mana base. And tried the funky... Uh, did videos for with the blue-green devotion deck. Well, it's green-splash-blue. And that felt sort of clunky as well. Um, going back to, at one point, discovering that I just don't like to play a deck with a high density of mana dorks. Uh, this okay. one had them in spades, like Mystics. Wayfinders, Carrieds, and um, Voyaging Seder. So you would have a lot of draws or a lot of games where you don't you're drawing the wrong part of your deck, and uh, that's not fun at all. And when you're playing green blue, you actually don't have solid, clean removal at all for uh, some of the problem matchups, and and you would lose to stuff like Mono Red Aggro if they were able to just swarm you. Don't you didn't have access to an Enhos and or um, a Drown in Sorrow, you had to rely on somehow Genesis Hydring into, like, somehow shielding yourself behind a bunch of Carradids and um, Pelucranos, but again, like, these are just single blockers that are pretty slow, and, and if they get uh, I just hated the deck because I just faced the Mono Red deck, just hammer-handed against the Pelucranos, so Ultimately, Abs and Aggro is the best deck I've tried yet. I have yet to play any of the Whip decks or Constellation decks, which is also considered in the running for, for best deck in the format. So I'm going to have a look at that this week. Ultimately, I took Abs and Aggro. I took a list. Um, BBD has been a huge proponent of it. Did well while the Players' Championship, finished second at a recent PTQ. He just yeah. won a PTQ, and I don't know if that was standard or not, but uh, he beat Todd Anderson at PTQ. I wonder if he won it with his Absent Aggro deck. I decided to take, uh, just just on a whim, uh, a version that uh, Yuki Ish- Ishikawa, I think is his name. Sorry if I butcher it. He's a, a Japanese player that top-aided two, uh, two of the last, at least two out of the four Pro Tours from last season. Yeah. And he played in this big... Japanese Invitational that they had. I think it's uh, Saito's store who hosts it. There's a bunch of Platinum Pros and stuff. And his list is pretty similar to BBD's list, except instead of playing four Wingmake Rocks, he plays one main, one side, and opts to, to play Air of the Wilds, which some lists have, some lists don't. Also likes to play funky cards like Ulcerate, like one Miser's Copy in the main, and two Hunt the Hunters in the sideboard. So a few differences, but ultimately the the same deck. And uh, the only thing I changed is changing Erase to Back to Nature. I think Erase... I feel like if you're only going to play... I don't know if this logic makes sense to you, Jer. For me, I changed it to Back to Nature because I feel when you're playing two copies of a certain card, you're more likely to draw it in the middle of the game. So I'm like, there's more scenarios... Where I want to back to nature, multiple things. than when I want to gain, have the extra temple gain because erase is a one mana card. Oops. Granted, granted, you know, erase can exile. A lot of the cards that I want to exile can't be exiled, can't be erased anyways, like Hornet Queen, etc. Like the other stuff, I don't really care that much. Um, so the, it all came down to erase could. At the, at the end of the day, I figured out the one thing erase was strong was like it could get rid of gods yeah um but the most played god right now is Farika at least in my uh meta game and back to nature isn't that bad against that either because you can just wipe the whole board of like at least a current board of death touch snakes so that's why i went for back to nature i don't know if you have thoughts on um that t- back to nature versus erase um
0: Back to nature, it's funny because it's the type of card that when you play it, you kind of feel bad because enchantments are really good and why aren't you playing them? You know, if that makes any sense, like, you don't want to be casting back to nature because you want to have enchantments out. There's so many great enchantments. So it feels like if you're ever playing that card, you're just in a spot that you don't want to be. Um, Now, a lot of lists don't play Coursers in... uh, don't play the coursers in the, uh yeah, in the Abzan Some people do. It's you know been kind of a, a mix mash. I know like Ritzel was in on them, then out on them, then you know kind of all over the place. So it's it's really tough to say you know what is correct, but I, I don't know. Like, look, obviously, I think Back to Nature is better than a race. If you are you know playing a deck that is not going to be playing the, the. Uh, if it's not going to be playing like those cards, so.
2: Right,
1: right. So, yeah, so I, I, I totally agree with that. And, you know, the one thing I considered tweaking my deck with was um, whether I want to <laughs> replace Soren or not, because it just felt, um, you know, we've discussed this multiple times on the show. I, we've discussed this on Twitter. It just doesn't feel like a very strong card to play at four especially you know we have of course there's only can only be one siege rhino uh type card in the format at four and i wish i could play eight but i can't or or six at least for the curve and um the main reason soren is in the deck is because um at least the reasoning for for a lot of people is because the deck plays a lot of uh pain lands so you're you're using sort of Sword to mitigate the damage, and there's a lot, there's some certain matchups where it is a race. Uh, for example, if you're playing against Aggro or Blue White Heroic, uh, Mono Red, the Mirror um, Tokens decks like that, where they can they can hurt you really fast, but you also play like three threes and and four fives and four fours, and you can hurt them just as well. And sometimes you just need that one extra turn to kill them. That's where Sword can excel. But against a lot of the Whip decks, um, Sorin isn't that good because they're not really pressuring you at all in the early game. They're just, like, setting things up, with, wh- whether it be Seder Wayfinder into a Doomwing Giant to clog the Siege Rhino board and then going over the top with Whip of Erebos and Hornet Queen in the air to kill you. They're not, like, bashing you hardcore with Courser's and stuff. So that's when Sorin, like, I drew Sorin when I curved out Against Justin Richardson in the top four who was playing Green Black Constellation, and it wasn't that good. Like I, I went up to forty-nine life or something, but he still ended up winning the game because he has the better end game and the life game was just just not relevant. So I can I can see where why BBD pushed it to the sideboard and I and I could see myself doing it as well, but um the only change I made was just to erase the into back to nature because like ultimately I didn't really know what to replace Soren with in the deck itself. Uh, so I ended up, it was a 6th round, uh, five, went 5-0-1, um, ended up getting paired down in the 5th round to Matthew Stein, a friend of mine, but uh, I-, I couldn't draw, I didn't want to draw just because I didn't want to risk it, and winning would give me top seed, like 95% of the time. Uh, which ended up happening, and I wanted that with the Abzan aggro deck. So was able to carry that to the finals. I faced a variety of decks. I faced the Mirror, Abzan Midrange, um, uh, Green Black Constellation, um, what else did I face? Abzan Whip, and I think that's all I can remember
2: off the top of my head. And the a lot of
1: pre- TQs, I just want to quickly talk about this, have like a really bad price structure, it feels, because they people haven't really figured it out yet, and, and Face obviously has the luxury of doing these cr- crazy things. There were 50 players, and they decided to make it a 1K store credit tournament. Wow. So, and entry was $15. So you pay $15, top 8 gets $50, bucks, top 4 got $100, second place got 200 and first place got 400 and uh, like we had 50 players and other stores where we had exactly roughly the same number of players uh more or less like 45 or or 50 like you paid 30 i think roughly 30, 25 or 30 and if you top 8 you got six packs what so i don't know what the structure was was for you, but it's like, after playing the face tournament, it's like, wow, um, I wish there were more pre-tQs, but I don't know if other stores
0: are as generous as face-to-face games. Well, you know, in, in our stores, like the big thing that they were doing was, um, at least in Edmonton, uh, kind of uh, the Warp Chain, the stores that I start off uh, that, that I play at, uh, kind of set the bar, and they had all of their pre-tQs give flight vouchers.
1: Oh, right, to... Uh, yeah, like... Vancouver. Yeah,
0: most of them were $400. In some cases, it was, you know, $20 out of every entry goes to blah, blah, blah. So they had kind of a few different ways that they went about it. But for the most part, you're kind of looking at, like, if you win one of these things, you're getting 400 bucks, And okay. uh, 400 bucks is pretty good. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy with that, especially at, you know, like the $30 entry fee. Um we have a store in Calgary that's doing the 1k event in February where they're doing a winner takes all kind of big dollar event. So whoa. Uh you know, like that's something that we have a, a highly competitive group and they, they asked for something like that and they are getting it. So that's really cool. Are you saying that the odds are that it won't devolve
1: into uh, a price split um it very well could <laughs> it wouldn't be outrageous so hmm. pretty sweet that's pretty sweet it makes me like like you talking about 30 bucks for 400 makes me think like yeah 15 bucks it was an insane deal for face-to-face games so good on you south for constantly putting out these amazing value tournaments uh but it also makes me feel bad to play, like, I'm doing something wrong by playing other <laughs> pre-TQs. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, Everyone's going to have that kind of feeling, right? <laughs> like I'm getting ripped off. So I, I faced, in the top A, I faced Xavier uh, Allegrucci, who is the kid I'm working with for the Pro Tour, oh. who topped Ford GP Ottawa. Yeah, yeah, I remember he, him. He's He played Abzan Whip with uh, Siege Rhinos. Yeah.
0: And... Uh, that was a able good to match up for you, though, right? Well, actually, with the seed rhinos, well, that's kind of an awkward matchup in the sense that he's got to get over his cards. I'm interested. I need to play a, a huge set of
1: games because I beat him. I beat Jay Rich playing Green Black Constellation, but then I lost to Green Black Constellation in the finals. And and the matchups uh, play out very interesting because I basically have to have a decent start to pressure them, and be able to come over to the top with either hit him with, with the reach of a siege Rhino or, um, have a bunch of Nyssa lands attack them because like once, once you hit the Horniquid point, it becomes really hard to win. And that's what happened against, uh, Dave Schneer who ended up winning the whole thing. The finals is, um, I had a very good sports day. I was going to win. I would say I was a favorite to win I, I, at a certain point in the game. Probably set uh, maybe 85% to win at a particular juncture. But he top deck Hornet Queen in, and then Whip. Like the perfect two cards to beat me. And I think once we hit that stage of the game and he has Hornet Queen, like the Abzan deck I have Bob Light, but. I, I bioblade still like leaves a hornet queen there. Yeah, to to be able to at least block part of let's say a siege rhino attack or whatever, or or a ruckshasa Defty. Like it can it can really stabilize the board, and then getting whipped back is just like a huge blowout. So I don't know. Like against Xavier, I just went like lion into anofenza into siege rhino, and then like there's no way. Even if you have whipped, the fact that you have to tap tap out on turn four to play it means you're taking an, an, a, a boatload of damage from me. So against Justin, he he made a misplay where I've made a similar misplay playing against it online where people like attack, make a bad, suspicious attack, but it's not meant to be suspicious. It's they're willing to bin a guy to get a winmate rock out. Okay, yeah. So like I attack like I had one Anifenza out, and I knew he had Murderous Cut from, from the Corsair, uh, from his Courser, and I knew he was going to kill my Anifenza because I had one card, like two cards in hand, and he knew that the card I had in my hand was probably dead because I would have done something the turn previously. Uh, but instead of, so there was no reason for him not to kill Anifenza on the spot before I was able to declare attackers, but he allowed me to do that. He killed it. I play Winmate Rock and like, "Oh shit, I forgot about that card." And that allowed me to win because that's one of your better cards. That's your biggest trump card um outside of Hornet Queen. They basically have a bunch of dumb ground turtles. Even if they have Farika, they can't stop uh the Winmate Rock. So I've had I've had players forget about that or I've had players um just block weird uh, because or be willing to trade with something that you know ultimately if they block, they they could have just eaten my guy with a bigger guy because all I wanted to do was not pump it or have like some crazy Abzan charm plus two plus two thing all I wanted to do was like get winmi rock on the board so and sometimes that would get you a free attack so that's that's very interesting that that win May rock does that and um but yeah, ultimately lost in two games against Dave Schneer. green black constellation uh that Post sideboard he went really deep, and he plays like the uh, eight man. I think eight manic Garrick, like big oh, Garrick. Big Garrick. And yeah, how do you I feel think, with that? I think that's a sweet piece of tech, Jerry. I don't know if if anybody in Alberta is playing it because you know post cyborg these like mid range matchups. Even the absent aggro deck like has to like take out its thought seizes because. It knows the game is going to go get more grindy. So you take out seasons and put in Nissa's and more action spells, like more Windmate Rocks. And you have to keep some set of bow Blights in. And then if you're going to that late of a game, when he played Apex Predator, I just looked at him like, wow, I can't win this game. Yeah. Because that guy is just the late game bomb. I mean, he could have had Hornet Queen instead, which probably would have still killed me. But uh, Apex just like I looked at the, my Nissa in my hand, and I'm just like, I can't do anything, especially if he plays Predator first, makes the beast with Death Touch first, and I'm just, like, dead. I can't Nissa make a land, attack it, but that guy's Death Touch. Like, I trample for one, and and then he goes plus one to kill Nissa. It's like, yeah, I, you know, I scooped before I was officially dead because I just couldn't win. So I end up with we we price split so I end up with 300 uh store credits and uh just happy with my performance um looking forward to there's there's a big PTQ coming up um I'm going to provide the link it's it's some big event called a snow Con that happened last year um a collaboration of a, a bunch of stores um namely Tome 2 so I, anybody living in like the Montreal South Shore region, be sure to check that event out. And I might not make it there um, because I'm planning to go to Ottawa next week to spend some time with my dad. And my sister is going to come down from Toronto to hang out as well. So I'm going to get to spend time with her, which is awesome because I, I did she didn't get a chance to come down for the holidays. So instead, I might be uh, training it up to Belleville which is sort of close to Ottawa and uh, where Kyle Mathers lives. Oh, yeah. Uh, and apparently, according to him, there's two pre-TQs uh, next weekend in Belleville. So I think I'm going to be playing in both of them. Oh, sneaky. Very sneaky. Very oh. sneaky. And... Uh, Bad. Nope. And today it was funny. Uh, last night I looked up the website for, for one of these pre It's obviously a small store that you know, has never really hosted a big event. And they advertise it as a grand, grand Prix qualifier. And I emailed the store. I'm like, um, is it a Grand Prix qualifier or a pr- pr- preliminary Pro Tour qualifier? And uh, they realized, like, all, all the online, like, posters and banners were wrong. Wow. And it was a pre-TQ.
0: <laughs> so, I'm not expecting... A lot of people at this one. Um, so what you're trying to say is that you're 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 uh, you shark in this little shop. I
1: mean, Kyle's son is, is a pretty big shark. He did beat Saito at GP Ottawa and other notable players in his career. So Avery, yeah, Avery beat Saito. Avery beat fucking Saito. I didn't hear this story. Avery, you rule. Oh, we were, because it was I think it wasn't a good story because it had sort of a sad end i think he started gp ottawa like 5-0 or 6-0 and just lost out you know so it was pretty sad hey man
0: like you gotta do yeah. start somewhere and like yeah people will go multiple tournaments they'll make day twos and they'll play nobody's but if you can take a game from like one of the best like a guy who should be in the hall of fame kind of you know <laughs> so scummy some of the time uh, <laughs> a guy who would be in the hall of fame like, if you can steal a game like that, that's a big deal. Like, that's something to be proud of. Like, that's something you can fall back on. Like, wow. I had yeah. that awesome
1: Avery. Yeah, I congratulate him. Like, every round I was super excited. Like, not only did he beat Avery that round, he also beat my friend Barry, who you've met, oh, yeah, uh, in the following two. round. Yeah, I'm like, wow. the Asian Slayer.
2: That's <laughs> like, what's Oh, man. That's awesome.
1: So yeah, I won't be I won't be the shark for that one. I mean, for the, I won't be the only shark at least. Yeah. The face to face games one definitely. Um, there's a a lot of people that I, I I knew there. We we were exactly fifty, and well, um, most of the people that have been known to do well did end up making at least top four. Like Justin Richardson, who's uh, been known as one of the better players in Quebec for a long time. Dave Schneider constant in the pro tour ptq um grind scene so us finishing in top four was uh it, it seemed like you know we were the favorites to to top eight at least so getting there was nice and uh hopefully i'll i'll finish the job next weekend i might tweak the Abzan Aggro list a bit but uh you want to stick with it though right I, i'm gonna stick with it i mean it it performed the best at GP Denver, and it is interesting because a lot of people I talk to think, like, don't respect Abzan Aggro at all. Like, I'll talk to P. Sams and, and Dan Lantier, you know, two prominent Ottawa players who, you know, think that that deck is terrible, and and I feel like it's just a deck that pro players tend to stay away from because it's just dumbass Abzan Aggro. but again, it did really well at GP Denver and William Jensen piloted it to a
0: top eight. it's funny because it's it's a 1.5 deck by by definition. You know, like mm-hmm. it came about to beat the whip style decks. Like that right. that's why it was as successful as it was in the areas that it was successful is that when the metagame was tilting that way, you could play this deck and you could prey on those decks. But where it really kind of like pushes the 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 limit on it is the fact that its matchup versus the rest of the field is actually pretty like good. It doesn't have too many terrible matchups um it does have terrible matchups but it doesn't have a lot of them and that that's the thing is that it's not one of those like you can play this and you're not great against anything but you'll win the majority of the matches like it's not the tier one in that sense but it does prey on like those whip decks very well and it can play with a lot of the other decks like the fact that the blue black deck won uh, was kind of odd in the sense that that's not a
2: good matchup for him, but he just, you know, got there.
1: Yeah, I think we've all think it's, like, Blue-Black is not a Tier 1
0: deck, so... No, it's it's great to see it putting up results, because it's the type of deck that, you know, does garner winning the odd event, um, especially with how much it's been jammed and how much it's been, you know, forced. But... It's, it's really not, it it doesn't have the cards it needs. And it's funny because you see like this crux of fate card coming out of fate reforge, but they keep spoiling dragons, you know, like that card gets progressively worse. Now I don't know how many of these dragons are actually playable, but uh, it's kind of scary to see uh, all these dragons getting printed when you thought that black might actually get a wrath of God effect. Right. Right. You know, like it's been a long time since damnation. I thought they did get one. Like, what do you mean?
1: Oh, sorry. Yeah, I know. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. It's not really damnation, right? Okay. Yeah,
0: like the fact that destroy all dragons or all non-dragons could actually be relevant with the amount of dragons that are coming out. Right. 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 Um, I don't know how I feel about any of them. I don't know if the many of
2: them are actually any good, but I don't know.
1: Well, would oh yeah, would be sweet if like. You have the a control deck that your only just your only creatures are dragons, right? That would be sick. Well, you could like if you were playing like some sort of Grixis deck,
0: Colgan could very well be like a win condition. I Agreed. Like just you know like even if he was like in some sort of you know he could be a dash, he could not be a dash, but he could be kind of the way that some of those older decks were. You know, we control the board and throw our extra burn at the face. But it's like, I even like cards like... This set is looking a lot of fun. Uh, Brutal Horde Chief, oh my goodness. That card just does things to me. Uh, the the Mardu Strike Leader, love and hit. Uh, I love the two-mana uh, Jeskai guy, like the two-mana um, Jeskai Sage. Like a really, really simple card that replaces itself.
2: This is going to be a really fun set.
1: We're going to talk about that more later on. What I want to know about is your
0: uh, pre-TQ My, oh my goodness. Uh, Yeah, so I had a pre-TQ on Saturday. And uh, I had been prepping myself to play Just Guy Combo because it was modern. And uh, I love me a good combo deck. So uh, putting it together was a lot of fun because as much as I had Fate Stitchers, I only had two Fate Stitchers, and somebody went through and cleaned out Edmonton. As soon as that deck uh, became like, yeah, hit the players' champion or the world championship, uh, that deck got cleaned out. Uh, somebody went and hit up all of our stores and pulled all this. So, trying to find the pieces for it has been a challenge, uh, to say the least. Uh, so, with that in mind, uh, I, I started the, the the search, and I was finding pieces here and there. I put in an order with Face to Face to get some stuff. Unfortunately, it only arrived today. So uh, that was kind of dense, but I did end up finding all the pieces in time for the tournament. Um, now, I am a bit of a troll, so I like to have a fun time at uh, other people's expenses. Oddly enough, I like to pick on uh, other judges. Uh, so for my pre-TQ, I spent a good 45 minutes, and what I did is I printed off the limited deck list checklist, for every set that contained a card from my deck. And I did the total and played column, and that's how I submitted my deck list to the tournament. What? I had about 20 sheets of paper, all with different uh, cards on them. Um, it was pretty entertaining. There was two judges, the head judge and the rail. And like, but why? <laughs> did do that? Why not? Like, just, to, just to be an epic troll? Just a troll. And the guy looks at me, he's like, "What? were you playing a sealed list? And I'm like, no, no, this is, this is my deck list. Are you serious? Yes, I'm serious. Are you serious? Yes, I'm serious. Are you serious? Yes, I'm serious. So as he's walking away, like, that's when I open up my bag and I, uh, I call him back and I'm like, hey, did you want this one that's all written on a single piece of paper, you know, just as a courtesy? And, you know, that kind of got a, a little bit of a laugh out of him, but yeah, I sat there and uh, I ended
2: up uh, I, I liked the deck. Um, it was
0: odd enough that I rarely, like, I never finished a match winning the match with the combo. If I won a match, it was because I went on the the beatdown plan. So, fairy conclaves and fate stitchers coming across the board. And obviously not what you're looking for, but you know, people were ready for the hate. There was too many people playing it in the room. You can tell there was some last-minute sideboard, uh, sideboarding done to kind of hate it out a little bit more, like a lot of slaughter games types of facts, uh stain the minds, that kind of stuff. Uh, but I played against Affinity in the first uh, round, and Affinity was just... It's kind of like in Game 1, I think it can really go either way. You have the chance to... Uh, you have a chance to win that game. But if they get too much damage in, if they have any sort of aggressive draw, they might just out damage you because you do a lot of self-damage uh to try and rush that combo out. Uh because you do have to hit those three colors really, really quickly. Um so there was that. And then the other half to that was uh once I got into game two, uh he really was able to yeah, he he just did like a stay in the mind, took out all my ascendancies and he just had the better cards to kind of go the long game because again, I'm going to be beating him down with fairy conclaves and fate stitchers. And he's going to get a ravager out and I, am not going to really be able to play. Well, actually the, the most important thing was the uh Etch-bound champion where you just can't interact with that card at all. Uh, so I lost that first match and that kind of sucked. Uh, I followed it up playing against Delver and playing against Delver worked out really well for me. Um, it's a, a deck that, you know, can do some stuff, but you can really kind of play their game too. And uh, the Fairy Conclaves, if you need to, can eat up creatures and stuff like that. But really, uh, if you can stabilize the board, they're going to have to tap their mana to put pressure back on you. And when they do that, you kind of have an opportunity to go off. And having, like, access to attacks and probes and stuff like that, you can really kind of play through their...
2: Uh, you can play through their Their disruption. So.
0: That match went really well. Uh again, I had the case where I win uh I win game one with the combo. Uh after he tries to counter and everything like that, I just resolve like another shuffle and all of a sudden there is another fate stitcher in my yard and I'm able to just kind of blow off from there. Uh the next game he just overpowers me and that's bound to happen. Game three, he's able to control my ascendancies, but I just keep getting them with the fairy conclaves. And are able to just finish him off. Uh, It was a misplay by him. And that actually went into what probably was the most uh, talked about thing from the weekend. uh, Was uh, my opponent at that point there started to have words with the judge. And ended up uh, getting himself uh, disqualified. uh, Because we had gone to time. It was turn four. And he sits there and starts mouthing off the judge. And uh the judge doesn't appreciate that, and they kind of go back and forth, and these two have a little bit of history and yeah. Bit of a mess. Ooh. Yeah. Ew. Yeah. So that was something to see. Uh so uh next round after that I end up playing against uh it's it's a five round. I play against mono red burn or like the, the blue red burn, uh where it's you know red, white, uh White for Borough's Charm, blue for Treasure Cruise, lots of burn to the face. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it just, again, he has, like, the points where his lightning bolts are going to go to my face, but when they're not going to my face, they're sitting in his hand with open mana. That prevents me from having a window to use, like, Fairy Conclave to go off or Fate Stitcher to go off, so he's able to, you know, play around uh, pretty effectively what I'm trying to do. And yeah, I just, I got very close in one game and it was just multiple cases. where it's if I had just one more, um, if I had one more turn, I probably would have been fine, but I didn't have one more turn, so I wasn't fine. So that's kind of rough. Uh, and then uh, round four, I play against Zoo and I beat up on Zoo pretty good. Again, game three happens and in game three i have to bust out uh i have to bust out my fairy conclaves and my fate stitchers and beat them down to win on turn four again because all my games seem to go to time and i seem to have to beat down people which is probably why they go to time because the deck's not designed to beat down people uh so yeah so and then in the the last round i end up playing against like a pod deck it's like my one of my best friends, uh, the the manager of the warp store and he just we're playing games, we're actually eating pizza at the exact same time. Like we had just gone and bought some pizza. So we're both just like tuned out. Whoever wins gets a few packs, whatever. No no big deal. And uh it that tournament ended up being won by a player who was playing Siege Drynos, playing a pod. Uh we saw Burn, we saw Affinity, we saw Escape Shift. Um like, kind of a, a good mix in the the top eight. And that was a nice tournament because, again, it was a tournament that led people to get uh, some uh, some pretty good uh, compensation for the win in the form of, you know, airfare, which is always good. And it was one of the, it was like the, the second biggest chain store in the city that uh, put that out, so... Uh, really good to see the two stores kind of playing nice and that, uh, you know, the managers from both stores hanging out and all that kind of stuff. So th- that's always a really positive thing. Uh, I had a lot of people asking, you know, hey, you're going to run it back the next day because on the Sunday we had a GPT for Vancouver that was also a flight tournament. Uh, because, again, that's that's what we like to do in Edmonton. We like to have our flight tournaments. Um, so that tournament, I decided that I wanted to judge. So I had pushed out and reached out to, uh, the, uh, the TO and said, Hey, you know, I, had like an opportunity to judge this one because I want to get some of my, my stuff in line, uh, to retest for L2, because again, they've, you know, made some changes to what you need to have in order to be able to do that. And, uh, yeah, uh, that was a lot of fun getting to sit down and, Actually run through some of the judging scenarios. Uh, I had a, a few game losses. There was a player who was playing that same Jeskai tokens list, and they were just far too nervous. So they were letting their nerves get the best of them. And uh, that's not necessarily the best when you're playing a combo deck. So there was, in round one, he... What did he do? He, he started off by... In, in, it was like game two or three. He's trying to, like, eke out this win. Um, and what he ends up doing is he just tries to use a pact of negation on nothing so that he can swan song his own pact of negation to get a 2-2 to put some pressure on. (laughs) So it's kind of like, yeah, you can't do that. You need to counter something. Like, there has to be a spell for you to pact. So uh, that was kind of something to see. And then the follow-up to that was like, on the next turn, he ended up casting a spell using a Scalding turn. So it's kind of like, okay, these are two GRVs, like, I need you to understand that the next one that you get is going to result in a game loss, so I really need you to start playing tighter. And he's like, okay, yeah, yeah, I can do that, I can do that. So, uh, you know, that was, that was kind of rough to see. You never want to see a guy you get kind of stuck into a spot like that, but you know, that was what happened, so that's going to happen. Uh he did eventually later on in the tournament get himself another GRV. Uh this time it was playing a second land in a turn. It was his turn two and he played his third land. So uh just one of those cases where again, you know, somebody just isn't thinking and voila. Hmm. Yeah, so uh that tournament went really well. Uh we saw unfortunately Marcel Zafra lose in the finals to uh a fellow uh like, another guy uh, from Edmonton named Attila Fur, uh, who has been playing a ton of events. You might even know him out east. I know he's 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 a French fellow, and he hangs out in Quebec a lot and goes to face and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I do know him. He's a friend of one of my childhood friends. Okay. And, uh, but I met, like, I met him because, probably told this story before, but, um, Derek Tonin's my childhood friend, and we're talking about, like, elementary school, like, grade one, two childhood best friends. And later on, he was, you know, a conversation come up where he said he was talking to this guy, Attila, one of his friends. And Attila was surprised that Derek knew me and that I was, quote, a legend (laughs) (laughs) in the game. So that felt really good. So that's how me and Attila got acquainted. And uh, there we
0: go everyone knows everyone that's the way it's got to be yeah that's sweet yeah so the tournament ran really well it ran very quickly on time which is always a nice thing it's always good when things run the way they're supposed to um not much more to say on that whole topic so you know it's uh it was really fun to see the format i was really upset that i couldn't play more um I saw Gordo doing really well. Uh he was the fellow who won the Calgary MDSS. Uh he's been on a bit of a tear He won a pre TQ with C Drynos. Uh he was playing C Drynos in Modern. Uh the guy just loves C Drynos, so that's always pretty cool. <laughs>
2: hmm,
0: cool. Yeah. Uh I because of all that though, I didn't get a chance to really watch any of the coverage of the event. Um I did hear that uh Marshall now has himself
2: a new uh cohort in
1: uh l s v for limited resources. did you hear that? Yeah probably yeah, yeah, probably the most high profile guy you could possibly want to be part
0: of that show yeah, so uh that was pretty impressive, gotta say
1: and uh i think I think it makes sense now that I've also learned that uh Marshall is. No longer providing, going to be providing content at least for the time being for Gathering Magic and is moving entirely to Channel Powerball. So, oh, is he? I, I, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. There you go. There's a, a marriage.
1: Yeah, I saw like one of his last draft videos where at the end he just thanks Gathering Magic and Staborski for everything and that he's moving on, but uh, without saying where. But now that I, I believe at least. I remember reading this somewhere or I might I might be just imagining things, but I believe he's he's moving the channel and and possibly, you know, maybe limited resources might be somewhat sponsored also by CFB now. So we'll see what, what happens. But I, I'm excited. I mean he definitely had great co-hosts in the past, but now we have the LSV, so yeah. That's pretty crazy. To what was already the, the most popular Magic the Gathering podcast, so <laughs> yeah big shocker there <laughs> in other news other news i revealed yes well, not me I got to two of my writers or contributors to reveal my spoiler. We're going back to like i don't know what to expect from wizards when they send me these this stuff um because it's ranged from commander a commander card in uh luminite primordial comes down to like uh Nivix Cyclops, which is very niche um yeah. but saw saw it's uh saw at least some play in not just limited but in constructed by one travis Wu, and uh, now we get another common, and I'm happy to see that our last one that i got uh I got myself to spoil the death dealer yeah is way more playable than like we thought was playable well, but I, I think I it's way more highly
0: of that card, yeah, you did. Um, but not out for, there.
1: <laughs> for me, I liked it, but I definitely didn't think it was as playable. And what's possibly played in the best? Um, well, the standard's still wide open, but
0: uh, the at standard's least so the best, wide open. That's what's so good about it,
1: right? Right. At least the best performing deck in the recent day, a few days. It's in that deck, and it's William Jensen's playing it, so. Um, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, for this one, it's Whisper of the Wilds. Um, one colorless, one green. It's a mana dork. It taps for just a green, but when it gets ferocious, it taps for two green, and it's a zero two.
2: So obviously, a card that you want in limited if you're in that color. Yeah. So what were your initial thoughts, Jer? Um.
0: I think the card is good, like especially kind of in the, the the type of deck that you know they were showcasing it in. Right, and, you know that that's important to have cards like that. But I just,
2: I kind of wonder what. I don't know how to put it. Like I, I just, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what the.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to figure out like what the the end game is on something like this, you know, like what, what, where, where do you need to have this card? Like the fact that it's a two mana taps for one mana, that should be fine. Uh, it, you know, it taps for green. So that's kind of a thing, but you really need to be getting that two mana out of it to really make it work. Right. And the fact that it's double green, it's just kind of like, where, where is this going to fit? What, what deck does this fit into?
1: Right. Right and for me like outside of like like we know it's going to be a solid possibly you know something that is a fit first pickable common for limited uh for strictly constructed it's like well the pre it's it's like the previous block had has all the mono green devotion cards So I I just wonder, like, how long... Like, I feel like this card might just be played now and just forgotten about later on. Like, this card, you want double green, I guess. I can see it in, like, the Proleucronos into, you know, Genesis Hydra, um, Nykthos-type deck. It can fit in that, but is it better than, you know, a a Voyaging Sater carried it? And probably not. Yeah. So that's really awkward. So I don't know. It's it's likely and it being just a zero two, as as people said, they like Golden Hind is at least a 2 1.
0: So I don't know. It's gonna see play. It's going to see play. People are going to experiment with the card, and that's that's exciting enough on its own. And in limited, mm-hmm. I think the card is actually super sweet. From the constructed side of things, I, I have reservations, but in limited,
2: yeah. like i I love this card for limited. Yeah.
0: So I'm not too worried about it there, but I, I just I don't know.
1: Yeah, a lot of people, many people have said the same line about him, like the ideal curve for him illuminated is just him into Alpine Grizzly, and now it's already active uh the next turn. So you probably jump from three to five mana. And uh and I, I like I like what Travis says in the article. A lot of times uh in this format you Want to hit five mana to be able to morph or unmorph your guys I don't know what the I, like I've always never known the actual terminology Jared because we, we we say unmorph a lot because you're turning it face up, but like the actual keyword is morph yeah. right
0: yeah <laughs> unmorph is great terminology if you say that to a judge, they know what you're saying, and that's what the goal is right like that that's always the goal
2: right i'm I'm so pretty happy. I don't
1: know if you had a chance to look at any of the other cars in the set. I, I haven't.
0: I I, I, have to come out. I I got a chance to look at some of this stuff. Uh, I was back to work today, but it was a lot of uh, orientation stuff, so yeah. I had a lot of sit-down-do-nothing time.
1: Last week, there wasn't that many, right? Like I don't think we talked about Soulfire Grandmaster,
0: did we? No, no. Uh, well, actually, maybe. We might have had a chance to talk about him. I'm not too sure what day he came out. Let's see. Soulfire, he was on the 30th. We would have recorded on the 29th. So no, we didn't talk about him. So he, he seems pretty crazy. Uh, Yeah, I would agree with that. I don't think he's the best
2: card
0: out of like the new set, but he is very good. Like, for the decks that he's... Or sorry, Soulfire Grandmaster. Soulfire Grandmaster is actually, yes, he's ridiculous. Sorry, I was getting him confused with uh, the Monastery Mentor. Ah. Um, I think the Soulfire Grandmaster is ridiculous. I think the Monastery Mentor looks better than he is.
1: Right, right. So we, ha- we actually had this discussion after the tournament. We went out for dinner, and uh, Mexi, uh, one of our friends, was very high on this card, thinks it's the second coming of, of Young Power Mancer, while other people are very skeptical. Um so what what are your thoughts well, on monastery you, mentor? Um
2: he does a lot of really good things. So that's good.
0: But mm-hmm. he's not the end all be all. And I don't know if that's, you know, too much of a negative or what, but it just that's it's the fact that he's just not ridiculous. <laughs> uh the one extra mana to, or one extra mana is important. Um, When you're thinking about, like, the decks where Young Pyromancer shines, two casting costs versus three casting costs is a really big deal. Now, the fact that his tokens are superior in a very big way, you know, is what makes this guy, you know, as legitimate as he is. But he feels more like he's, like, that combo engine than he is, like, the Young Pyromancer
2: getting value by going wide type of card. Right, right.
0: So, like, that, that's kind of where I'm at with him. Like, the three casting cost is actually just a, a really big deal with him. Uh, at two casting costs, the card would have been like, uh, what are you guys doing to the game? Stop breaking it. Go away. <laughs> you know, leave it alone. But I think he's, he's very well-priced. I think that there's going to be some decks that are going to abuse him. I think that the Jeskai tokens list he fits into perfectly. Uh, because you don't need to have the Jeskai ascendancy to do ridiculous things with him, um, and that's important. So,
2: yeah, that's all I have to say about him.
1: Yeah, yeah, you uh, look at him; he is. I wouldn't be surprised, like, if, like, a month later, we're like, "Wow, we're totally like this card is like the most broken thing ever," just because, like, you said, like, at two mana, it'd be too good. Yeah. So, at three, it's not at the ideal slot you want it to be in. But man, like you want it to play it like like a young power master type deck is like a deck that well it will depend on all the other sorceries and and instants. Like usually in standard, you had young power master, that's it, or power master plus Chandra's Phoenix, and like that's your your creatures, right? So, like him
2: plus. I guess seeker of the way would
1: be his best buddy. I think to be able to curve like like that, I I remain excited about
2: this scarf. Um. So some of the dragons
1: came out that I haven't seen yet, like uncommons dragon. I've
0: yeah, Destructor I, dragon. Yeah, they got they got the whole uh, line of dragons now. I like the Destructor Dragon. The Shock I'm not too excited about. The Noxious is kind of neat. The Mind Scour, I don't care about at all, although that card... It's it's funny, it's kind of like got a very win-more ability in my mind. Um, Ward Scale Dragon, uh, again, is kind of neat. Uh, I, I think the Destructor Dragon's probably my favorite of them, though.
1: Yeah, mine's got kind of insane and limited, but maybe not like, constructed but if they have delve cards. Sort
0: of like why is it why is it ridiculous and limited? If it hits opponent, it mills four cards. It's a four four flyer. If it hits them, they're going to die. <laughs> okay. Like, why are, it is win-win. It doesn't matter. It's kinda of like whoopee. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. You know, if it only had to attack, if it it to mill the cards, then that's a little bit different because you know, you can kind of play through all of his chump blockers and stuff. But it doesn't need that.
1: It gets the job done very handedly. Tasigur the Golden Fang, six colors, one black, four five, legendary human shaman, delve. Put the, oh for two hybrid, green blue green blue. Put the top two cards of your library into your graveyard. Then return a online card from opponent's choice. From your graveyard to your hand.
2: What Which one's that? Sorry? Oh. Yeah, it's Tassiger. Oh my god. Oh my god. That card is
0: good. I really like Tasiger. Like really? just the, the fact that it's is awesome. That yeah, the delve, the casting cost is perfect. The here's something to do with your mana if you don't have anything to do with your mana. That can potentially, like, you know, he, he just ekes out this little bit of card advantage. And he's just a big enough body that you want to cast him.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, like, it just, oh, I'm kind of blown away about, by the delve cost.
0: Yeah, yeah, like, six delve for the four or five is a really, really good. It's casting the Sator Wayfinder on two and then him on three. And then on four, you can start doing, like, mill draw engine. If you're not doing other great things, not to mention okay. he's blocking siege rhinos, or he's double blocking with the wayfinder that you cast the turn before to kill a siege rhino. Yeah, this guy. Wow, this guy's pretty pretty sick.
1: Yeah, I'm just saying, like, yeah, one mana for four or five is like like a good a good amount of the time too. Like yeah. pretty early if if that's what you want to do. Um um and that mill deck gets this guy going easily, easily. Let's see if there's one more card to talk about. Okay, we'll talk about one more card. Um, Flamewake Phoenix, which is like the new Chandra's Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, that card's really good. Um, so it's, uh, it's like exactly like uh, Chandra's Phoenix in terms of its mana cost and power toughness. one red red, or red red one. Uh, two two, Flying Haste. Um, he attacks each turn if able, so that's, that's different, and the other different thing is ferocious at the beginning of combat on your turn if you control a creature with power 4 greater, you may pay red if you do return Flamewake Phoenix from your graveyard to the battlefield so I guess less good than Phoenix in the decks that Phoenix was in
0: because but Phoenix you just want to burn the guy this guy here though is like just ridiculous with uh, Butcher this guy and Butcher are made to be together.
2: Yeah, yeah. Like,
0: on your main face, sack this, give Butcher whatever you need to give Butcher, follow up with...
2: This guy just that, comes back? This guy
0: just comes back for one mana, so it's give Butcher lifelink for one mana, give Butcher first strike for one mana, give Butcher vigilance for one mana. Yeah, that's
1: that's, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, these two good friends. Um, I see. Okay, now so we can go go quickly back to um, Green, Grand Prix Manila. I wanted to talk about that. Uh, we uh, we skipped over that because that was the other yes. um, Grand Prix that was taking place. Christian Calcano, one of uh our friends, actually decided to fly all the way there to play at this event. He ultimately top eighted, and uh, the results for that top eight looked. Basically completely different than the GP in Denver. We have Mardu mid-range winning the whole thing by a guy named Joseph Slav Zero. Yeah. Butchering his name. And a bunch of Abzan mid-ranges. So four of them. Uh the Green Black Devotion by Makihiro Mahara in the third uh in top four slot. And uh which is the deck that beat me in the finals of my pre-TQ. Yeah. And I wonder if his version is... His version has to be different from the ones that I've seen and it's the one I'm interested to test because I think I saw Cedia written at the Pro Tour, I think, but I don't think I've seen that card again. No. And he's playing four of them in his Green Black Constellation deck, Um, along with four Pelucranos, which is also something that I haven't seen in stock Greenback Constellation decks, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Jer, because I just haven't seen it uh, in Greenback Constellation. I've seen them play I don't know what he's playing that like what he's replacing it with but I I can see Polarucanos being a very good card right now just because it it says Hi there Siege Rhino, I'm bigger than you.
0: Yeah. So. (laughs) And like that's the thing is that it hasn't really been a card. So. Hmm. I don't know. I don't have an uh, uh I don't got anything for that. That doesn't make any sense. Like you've already got your you've already got your giants. Your giants kind of get the job done. Uh, I don't know why you need the ploucenos. Uh maybe they just feel like the ploucenos kills the blue white Heroic deck stuff a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Kind of force through something there. But
2: i i don't even know if that's you know enough so
1: i'm try- like i'm trying to look at the other list so okay i'm i'm seeing i'm comparing it with dave scheer's list that beat me and uh there's no Farikas in the main deck for uh for mahara's version he he's also opted to play no thought seasons uh no Commune with the gods um no Sater wayfinder so that's really interesting. His list is just a bunch of f- basically four of's. Yeah. So, four Corsair, four Pelucrinos, four Dooming Giant, four Horned Queen, four Elvish Mystic, four Karadis, three Eidolon of Blossoms, three Voyaging Satyrs, four CD CD-written Tulip of Erebo. So, he's cut out a lot of the graveyard stuff in terms of Wayfinder and uh, commune with nature and Thought Seizes and, and just gone with, I guess, more creatures and power. And I'm excited to try this version out. Um, His sideboard seems pretty standard. Two Reclamation Stage, one Farika. He's got the Thoughtseizes in the sideboard. Three Thoughtseizes. Nalia's Disciple, two of them, three Arbor Colossus, three World Worldwaker, and one Soul of Innistrad. And that is interesting to me. It might be a response to... I wonder if it's a response to all the mid-range decks in the format where you usually take Thoughtseize out anyways, because you just want action spells. Yeah, um, And the field is composed of mostly mid-range decks. Like, you really just want Thoughtseize against something like the Jeskai decks, um, because you, you want to be able to, like, discard... Like, they sometimes go to, to Disdainful Stroke-type deck, or you want to be able to Thoughtseize the Ascendancy. Um, thoughtseize against the Blue-Black Control decks of course, or the, the blue-white control decks. Um, you don't want them, like I said, you don't want them against mid-range, and you don't want them against the mono-red or decks. It's good against blue-white heroic as well, which I don't think is a huge part of the real-life metagame.
0: Yeah. So well, I can see why... It, it's it is. Inside. It is. It's just... It's not very good. <laughs> like, it is part of the real-life metagame. It's just not very good. It's It's, um...
1: Well, I did the, an article on my website last, last week analyzing the Moto metagame, and it was interesting to see that Blue White Heroic is actually the second, online at least, the second Gosh, most popular deck. You,
0: you can't use that metric at all because it's the cheapest deck to build. <laughs> like, the cheapest deck to build is always the second biggest deck on the Moto game. <laughs> it's why you can find a Burn deck online every time. It's why you can find Blue White Heroic every time. When it wasn't Blue eight or Oak, it was like the Mono Red Burn deck. Because it's the cheapest deck to build online. Like, the Boto metagame is so far from reality. The only thing you can ever really consider is usually, like, a PTQ-level event, or sometimes, like, ugh, I don't even like the dailies. like, sometimes the premier events, even though the premier events are the same price as the dailies, it's just, you know, like, they usually have a bigger field, so you kind of see, like, the best decks push them ways to the top. But it's it's of course you're gonna see a lot of this deck because it's dirt cheap.
2: Yeah, so no bluehead heroic is not a deck.
0: It it is, but it isn't. Okay. It's a, I've seen it around. It, it's it's it does it's a deck that beats people who are being greedy,
2: but it's a deck that loses to people who want to win.
1: That's correct. I'm I'm sure it beats I'm sure it could probably do really well in uh, pre-TQs with it, just because, like, if they don't respect, if they don't know that your deck has a bunch of God's Willing, a Johnny's Presence, and Feeder Resistance, like, the timing of the removal, you can easily fuck it up, and uh, Blue-White Heroic just wins. Yeah. So, you know, and and I've seen Blue-White Heroic players, like, the ones that know when to be conservative and when not to be, uh When not to just tap out and and jam everything on one guy, and and when to hold back. Those are the players that have had the most success with the deck, and and definitely think they have an edge against people that just don't really know um, how powerful, how like easily you can just die to that deck. But Mardu mid range is is you know talking to people seems to be considered like the worst out of the other, like, significantly worse than Abzan midrange um, by a lot of people I talk to. And I haven't seen it, like, it hasn't succeeded as much as Abzan. So it is interesting to see it take down this particular tournament with a list that looks pretty standard to me. Like, four Abel Masters, four Butcher, three Seeker, two Wind Rock, four Crackling Doom, four Hordling Outburst, four Lightning Strike, one other End, one Murderous Cut, three Chain to the Rocks, Two Sorin, two Sarkin, one Elspeth. Pretty standard.
0: Yeah. The the funny thing is, is that when I look at this deck, I really like what's going on, but I always get this feeling in my head that I'm looking at Charbelcher. And what I mean by that is that the mana base on that deck is so bad that you just have to be running really good. If you're running really good, you have the ability to beat a lot of different decks because Crackling Doom is just it answers so many like so many trouble problems the blue-white heroic decks that are just going to go and raffle stomp someone out because they got really lucky and the opponent got unlucky you can come back from that because you have crackling doom uh, you've got like these big swingy cards and you have the ability to kind of do the rabble master oops i win uh, also it just the deck's mana is really, really rough. Not having green. Like, green fixes a lot of things. Sylvan Karyatid does a lot of work. And not having that just makes that deck so iffy. But if you're running good, if you're hitting the land drops and everything like that, the deck is very strong.
2: It has great tools.
1: Yeah, I can see that. I think people hated uh, Cracking Doom because at one point, Jeskai Tokens was the most popular deck, if not the second most popular deck at one point. Yeah. And people were like, oh, that's that's terrible against them. It's terrible against Rabble Master. But now the people have realized the how volatile, how you know inconsistent the Tokens deck is, and, and playing it less, Cracking Doom, I, I guess, surges up in power, and it's definitely good against my Absent Aggro deck, yeah. where I don't really feel good about curving out into Siege Rhino If their response is Crackling Doom. (laughs) Yeah. And again, the best answer to a Sorin, well, on an empty board, of course, but just totally kills that. So Uh, (laughs) conveniently just own Sorin if you make a vampire and they actually have it. Like, that situation has come up uh, where I face a Mardu and I have a Sorin. I play it. I'm like, what the fuck do I do? (laughs) Yeah. If he has, like... You know, other end I want a minus, but if he has Crackling Doom, I want a plus. This is awkward. What's the right decision?
0: So, well, it was interesting because I actually played against Crackling Doom. The guy I was playing against, Delver, he actually had Splash for white and black so that he could cast Crackling Doom. So wow, the red, white, blue Delver type of thing. Uh, I didn't see any Geist, but I'm sure that they were somewhere in the seventy-five. But he had Crackling Doom. And it was like this weird way for him to just kind of get like this odd advantage. And yeah, he just uh What yeah <laughs> again it was it was I, I recognize the fact that it was very, very strange. Um but yeah, he uh he uh he, he tried to kill me with it. That's like kind of like where, you know, like there was a little bit of like the the roughness at the end of the game because like we go to turn Four or something like that, all I need to do is survive and I can kill him on my turn with uh, fairy conclaves, and he crackling dooms me, I've got two open mana, I cast dispel. he kind of has like a rough idea that I don't really have anything else, so he lets my dispel resolve and then he tries to is it charm me in the face and doesn't realize that you know if he had just is it charmed my dispel, I'd be dead but didn't so i got very
2: very lucky and uh yeah (laughs) so sweet yeah it was it was a really
0: kind of rough moment for him it's interesting to see crackling doom because yeah yeah, in modern yeah it, it does play well against certain things you know it can be an answer to pretty much everything you're afraid of like even if you're playing against some sort of weird combo where they're dropping a Gristle brand or something like that. It kills Gristlebrand. It kills everything. <laughs> Go against Boggles if someone's having a rough day.
2: <laughs> to wrap up the show, I did want to talk about one more deck, okay. which is
1: the most funky deck uh, by my dear sensei, Mike Flores. Oh, okay. So, I've yet to play a deck by him. I know he used to listen to the show. I don't know if he still does, and, and sometimes I say negative things about him. And he'll message me. I haven't played a deck by him since, like, Naya Lightsaber. Um, not because they're terrible. Like, a lot of the concepts uh, are really oh. interesting. Because, and that's why I, I always pay attention when he has a deck to post. I just don't feel like they're the best deck they haven't been the best deck in the format to play a lot of the times that he's posted a deck. This one is a very interesting concept. It's green-white. I think other other people have started to do the same thing. I think Sam Black and I've seen Sam Black post uh, a version of this. Basically uh really maximizing the Heliod's Pilgrim chain to the rocks engine. Okay, yeah. so not restricting it to well, white, uh white, red and going sort of green-white, but splashing the Mountain and the Nylia's presence uh, to be able to play that while playing good green cards. And, um, you know, I've seen lists by Sam Black, and I think even Brad Nelson has, like, a four-color mid-range deck that I believe utilizes this particular interaction. So, um, Mike calls this his, uh, like, two-for-one deck. So it's basically the new Jun. It's got 14 of the Rocks, one Nylea's Presence, four Cedar Wayfinders, three Banishing Light, three Heliod's Pilgrim, four Corsair of Krufix, uh one Nylea, God of the Hunt, four Eidolon of Blossoms, again, that two-for-one, yeah. four Pelucronos, four Windmade Rock, one Johnny Mentor of Heroes, and three Elspeth's Sun Champions. Um, i now, see this list somewhere
2: else. Have you? I have. I've yet to
1: play this. I am going to give it a shot.
0: Yeah, I saw I think it was one of the Channel Fireball guys playing something. Maybe not like 100% like not a 75 75, but very very similar concept. Maybe maybe it was maybe it was it could have even been the Sam Blacklist that I saw. But yeah, I saw something very very similar trying to abuse the exact same uh the exact same kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, and I wonder how good this idea is. I've I've always felt, uh, we, we had a discussion, I don't know if it was on the show or off the show, about how I hated Utter End because it was so expensive, especially in Sean McLaren's list where your deck is already slow in terms of having cards like Read the Bones and you, like you tap three and then you have to tap four. It was really awkward in the current metagame against some of the most aggressive decks. And then when I would play that deck, not only did I have to pay four for Utter end three for Heroes Downfall, I, I play these siege rhinos that are answered by one mana spells, like chain to the rocks against like these red-white decks. So it always appealed to me. I know the downside is people are like, okay, you're taking splash, you're getting splash hate because a lot of people have like back to nature or whatever in their sideboard. Yeah. And you don't want to chain to rock siege rhino. I get that. But like the tempo is still huge. And it's not like they always have the enchantment removal for your enchantment anyways. So, I am very interested by this list. Not sure about 4 Pelucranos, but...
2: I do like me some... Um,
1: Actually, I'm not sure about this deck when it comes to being able to attack with Windmate Rock. But I guess you're okay just throwing Heliod's Pilgrim to die, or Wayfinder, right? So yeah, never mind. You don't really care. You're just like, I got my land, I got my value, and I'm just going to attack it so I can make two, three, fours. So, yeah, this list looks actually sweet. He's got four Nyx Fleece Rams, four Enhostilis, four Reclamation Sage, one Ajani Mentor of Heroes, and two Boonsaders. And I wonder if it's against... I, I wonder what it was for, but now I think it's probably for control, I guess, to have like an answer when they decide to perilous uh, well no perilous well doesn't make sense because they could they usually do it on your tax step so maybe as an answer to their end hostilities you end up turn boon and uh and get them I guess uh potentially so, yeah so I'm liking it so this is a deck I'm I'm gonna try and so and I'm also gonna try the green black um, constellation deck by oh, but it is very interesting there is no genesis hydra there's no like Mahara's list is very very interesting i wonder if it looks anything like any of the pro tour lists like if he's stuck with it or, or something but
0: uh it's always the Mahara trap in a sense also well i guess it's not really a Mahara trap but <laughs> i don't know
1: i always yeah he was the first one to come up with wasn't he the first one to come up with like the Mono
0: Green Devotion deck? Uh, yeah, it was like the Red Green Devotion deck is what he played at the Pro Tour when both Mono Black and Mono Blue made their debut.
2: And
1: I don't think... like It, it gained some steam after the tournament, so
0: yeah. I don't think it, it just completely died later on. Yeah, once, once Blue and Black really asserted themselves, it, uh, it disappeared.
1: And again, it was one of those decks where I felt like you were just sometimes playing a lot of mana guys, and then not having the payoff. So Yeah. Whereas you'd rather play, like, that's why I love Abzan Aggro, like, every card is a huge dude. Every card's a bear. That has abilities, though. Yeah, actually, it's that's a like... card's
0: a hill giant that has abilities. <laughs>
1: it's like, Death Dealer, I mean, it's good on turn 2 and turn 6, like...
0: Exactly! Yeah, talk yeah. about this
1: yeah no 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 all credit goes to you you definitely <laughs> got me you know i, I was like uh, not seeing
0: like it's it's full
1: potential but uh you are well
0: that's what i just loved about him was the fact that he can be an early damage guy and he could be a stubborn threat late in the game that could compete with the bigger drops
2: mm-hmm. um any last words I see that Canada has won. So yes.
0: whoopee. Yeah, that's positive. Um, I don't know. What do I have for last words? Uh, I'm very excited to be going to to be going to uh, San Jose. So I'm looking forward to that tournament. Um, I don't think I'm going to get to play much Magic in between here and then. So that kind of sucks. We have our last like real PTQ happening this weekend in Calgary, and. It just thinks that I'm not going to get a chance to go down to that because I'll be working.
2: So that's kind of unfortunate, but what can you do? And yeah, that's kind of it. Uh, What do you got for events coming up? you are going up
0: to the pre-TQ. Yeah, you have the pre-TQ. Do you have any pre-release plans, or I guess that's still a couple weeks away. That's still a couple weeks away. Um, And then... Bloody Mass
1: Jess is coming down for a week to Montreal. She's got a friend here, so she's going to stick around for a week and get some real-life testing with me and Xavier. And, um, yeah, got to get ready for a pro tour. At the same time, like, you know, I, I've talked to, to people who um, felt like their testing efforts, like Brian, Math, uh, Brian Gottlieb, sorry, um, the guy who was able to convince Jerry Thompson to play um, that elemental deck and also um, tweaked the deck that um, J- Jared Betcher, <laughs> Known Cheater, uh, the, uh, what was that deck? It was like the combo deck that it wasn't eggs, but it's a combo deck that gets like
0: a lightning spell or something. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. You're talking about uh... Like the uh, ad, well, not the ad nauseum. No, not the spoils.
1: Um, it might have been, ad, but it plays ad nauseum. I think.
0: Uh, I think yeah, it's an ad, o- ad nauseum. Like it's got angels grace and stuff like that. It draws a whole bunch of cards and then it uses the lightning card to lightning people. Exactly. That- so I think he, he plays pretty
1: well himself. Uh, Jared finished in ninth, but you know when Jared came out as a cheater, Brian was like, um, "Was it due to my you know is my." Deck building, like does that put in question my deck building skills? Um and he told me like um when he was testing for modern and when the bannings and unbannings came out, it basically made all the work that he did up to that point worthless. Um he felt like, but so I'm mainly playing to sharpen my skills, obviously, because you know a good portion of modern is gonna stay the same. And just to remain sharp is, is what I plan to do. And even playing standard and playing these real life tournaments that you know I haven't played in a while. I think this past weekend was uh, one of my few ones since like my PTQ went back in August or something. So getting to get those reps in are important, as we talked about last week, where Scott says he feels he's a little bit sluggish sometimes, and uh, you got to play in real life, and and it is different. Playing facing the person against you versus just a screen. At least for me, I feel definitely less intimidated when I'm just like pantsless at home playing moto. Okay. So. <laughs> but facing like William Jensen. Ah, no, he's too nice. But facing now, let's like like someone like William Jensen at GB Ottawa. You know, that's at a feature match. Winner gets to play for top eight. That definitely was uh, more pressure, but. He's too nice of a guy, and my deck was just too awful to compete. So I didn't really feel that much of anything. So with that, I think that's our show. Or show. Yeah, the show. We'll know how, how much people like
2: this half of the A team, because <laughs> we're the only ones that are
1: here, so
0: Yeah. Comment. Do that thing. Yeah. We had a yeah. live comment the last episode, so that was pretty awesome. So thank you. All right, it's always interesting to see what people are reacting or how they're reacting to what we have to say.
1: Right, right. And uh, if you guys don't comment, I mean, I have no reason to talk more. Right.
0: Yeah. I exactly.
1: Mean... <laughs> you must talk less. Yeah, I'll talk even no. I I we will seriously consider just having the the laugh track replace me at that point. <laughs> so... So I hope you guys had a great new year, and we will see you guys next week. Hopefully I will win one of these pre I should be a somewhat... don't want to be sound overconfident. I should be somewhat of a favorite to win one of them, so let's get there. So for Jeremy and I, see you later.
2: That's how it goes, right?